Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I have exceeded my wildest expectations as a business owner because my goal this year was to basically like try to replicate what I did in 2020, which was I earned $100,000 before taxes in my side hustles in 2020. And so my goal this year was like, hey, if I can hit $125,000, like this is a win. And I just exceeded $250,000 of business income again before taxes. And I just like, whoa, like this is crazy. Like I literally created a quarter of a million dollars through a lot of trial and error, through imposter syndrome and sleepless nights. And I needed to talk about hitting this milestone because I think for a lot of us who are entrepreneurs, right? Like whether you're just starting out or you've been in the game for a while, that whole like six figure mark is a huge pinnacle that a lot of us hold as like this idea of like, we've actually made it. Like we've actually created a business that can potentially replace our nine to five. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and I'm hitting y'all with a bonus 
solo episode today. Yes, y'all, me, myself, and I, that's all I got in the end. That's what I found out. Oh my God, what is that? I'm actually gonna be sharing the audio from an Instagram Live that I did a couple of weeks ago to talk about hitting a quarter of a million dollars in business revenue. Y'all, my jaw dropped too when I saw the numbers and I was just like, what the hell did I do to get this result? So I started to really think about it. I wanted to share all the biggest lessons that I have learned along this long ass road to entrepreneurship. You know, eight years, y'all. I got some skin in the game. (laughs) So I wanna share with you my biggest lessons and hopefully you can take away something that can inspire you to take your business, your career, your dinero to the next level. Let's get into it. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. First off, if you're here for the first time, welcome. My name is Janice Torres Rodriguez. I am creator and host of Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I am also a food blogger, a speaker, freelance writer. Okay, so yeah, I'm a serial entrepreneur. That's what I figured out was my official title. (laughs) For a long time, I thought I just had like ADHD when it comes to business. And I wouldn't be surprised if I have undiagnosed something because I'm a little manic when it comes to business. Like I work like an insane amount. And I think there's something to be said about just like busting your ass to make things happen. And tonight's discussion definitely is a result of like a long time of busting my ass. (laughs) So for those who don't know, um, 2021, it was at the end of May, I quit my job after side hustling for eight years, and now I have exceeded my wildest expectations as a business owner because my goal this year was to basically like try to replicate what I did in 2020, which was I earned $100,000 before taxes in my side hustles in 2020. And so my goal this year was like, hey, if I can hit $125,000, like this is a win. And I just exceeded $250,000 of business income again before taxes. And I just like, whoa, like this is crazy. Like I literally created a quarter of a million dollars through several ideas, through several different iterations of ideas, through a lot of trial and error, through imposter syndrome and sleepless nights and all of the shit. So it's just, I needed to talk about hitting this milestone because I think it's for a lot of us who are entrepreneurs, right? Like whether you're just starting out or you've been in the game for a while, 
that whole like six figure mark is a huge pinnacle that a lot of us hold as like this idea of like, we've actually made it. Like we've actually created a business that can potentially replace our nine to five. So hitting that first 100K last year, I was just like, whoa, never imagined what it would actually look like to do that. And then to be able to not only more than double that this year, but chances are I'm probably going to triple what I did last year by the end of the year because we're at 252 right now. It's September. I have tens of thousands of dollars of outstanding invoices and projects and all those things that I know are going to clear by the end of the year. So it's very likely that we'll hit the 300K mark this year. Would not be surprised. How did we get here? That's the whole point of tonight. So I invited you to ask questions about this whole journey, and I'm super excited to just share whatever I can that you will find useful in your own journey as an entrepreneur. So let's get right into it because I know there's like a shit ton of questions here. And I'm not going to go in any particular order. I'm literally just going to answer them based on when they were submitted. All right, so let's go right into it. How did I decide what my blog would be about? So if you don't know, I've been side hustling since 2013. Mid-2013 was when I had my quarter-life crisis, and I was just like, I can't do this shit for the rest of my life. I can't work for somebody else. Like, this is not a vibe. But I didn't actually know, like, what it would take for me to create a business that was going to allow me to walk away from my job. So my first idea for a side hustle was creating a blog. Why? Well, I wanted a side hustle that I could do from home. Uh, blogging is location independent type of career. So you can literally do it anywhere that you have a computer and an internet connection. Secondly, I've always been a foodie. Like I will travel for food. I love cooking at home. So for me, while a lot of aspects of 2020 were really shitty, the fact that I could be home and cook all day, not a problem because that's just who I am. That's what I love to do. And so when I was thinking about how I could combine this desire for location independence and also combine my passion for food, food blogging is the thing that I found that would make sense. And so as far as what I was going to talk about initially, I didn't really know about this concept, having a niche. I thought like you just go on the internet and start talking about shit and people just automatically will care about it. Newsflash, not actually the case. (laughs) We all have really important things to say, but People, when you search something on the internet, they want you to be very specific about like what you have to offer. And you'll see that whether you're on social media or you're reading a blog or your podcast, like you're going there for a specific purpose. I didn't understand that initially. So I was just talking about all the shit. I was talking about all the things, making random recipes. I was literally just posting whatever I was making for dinner that night. Like there was no theme. There was no rhyme. There was no reason. My photography was trash. I didn't know how to structure my blog posts. I didn't know anything about SEO, none of that stuff. So I didn't initially start off planning to monetize this because I honestly didn't even know you could do that and didn't understand the concept of having a niche. Now, through learning about blogging from like a self-education standpoint, and I also took a like a 90-minute course at the International Culinary something, whatever, it's a school in New York City. And that was 2014, right after I got laid off. It was like a week or two after I got laid off. I said, you know what? I'm done feeling sorry for myself. I'm going to go and like learn about this thing because now I have free time. Now I can fucking pop onto a train and head into New York City at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday and take a class. So I did that. It was like a 90 minute class. And that was like the first thing that 
made me realize like, girl, if you do this right, you could create a business. Like you can blog your way to financial freedom. It sounds amazing. And I knew that like, maybe I could do it, but I didn't actually know the steps that it was going to take and the amount of time. And it was a very much a crash course. It wasn't like I'm signing up for like six month classes, whatever. At that point, I realized I needed to niche down. So what felt natural for me was to talk about Puerto Rican food. Why? Well, I'm Puerto Rican, if you didn't know. And I know that cuisine, like the back of my hand, right? Like I've been cooking in the kitchen since I was 11. And so it was very easy for me to share the recipes, like share my family recipes. That's what was inherent to me. And so instead of trying to mimic trends or whatever the hell was on the internet at the time on food blogs, I'm like, let me just make Puerto Rican food because that's what I know. And that's what I can do authentically. And so I think that's a thing for any of us, like whether you're starting a blog or you're starting a social media based business, anything online, you should be an expert about what you're talking about before you just show up on here and start asking people to pay you for anything, right? Like I wasn't about to be like, hey guys, I'm going to show you how to make vegan Puerto Rican food. Why? I'm not a vegan. I'm not going to go like start learning a new freaking cuisine. Maybe eventually, sure. But like, I'm going to teach you what I know. And so that's how I figured out what my blog niche was going to be. And so that's that question. So figure out what it is that you're actually naturally good at that is easy for you to talk about and it's easy for you to create content. Also, another thing too, when it comes to blogging, you should see what else is out there first. I did some market research and by market research, I mean, just like hopping onto Google and Googling like Puerto Rican food blogs. There wasn't a lot of them. There was maybe two or three. And so I knew like, I don't have a ton of competition in this space. There's a need for this content, right? Cause like there's eight to 10 million Puerto Ricans in the world, if not more. So let me insert myself into this niche. That's how you do it. You literally have to figure out what community, what group of people is not being served adequately. And then how can you authentically serve them with your skill set? All right. So next question. How long did it take to get to reach 100, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, and now 250? Okay, so (laughs) let's break this down. So to make my first $100, I was blogging for like a good two years. Like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. This was very DIY, had no clue. And so it was very much trial and error. But once I figured out my niche, and stuff started to go viral, that's when I knew I had found the thing, if you will. So 2016 was my first actual like year of income. It was about $2,300. So you'll think about it. I started my food blog in like May of 2013. Didn't really get serious about it until January of 2014. And for those like two years or so, I was just grinding. And that's the thing about blogging. Like it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not something that happens overnight. You have to create enough content that's going to have like a decent amount of traffic showing up to your website. And depending on how often you blog, and I recommend my students, like you should start off minimum one time a week, right? Because if you're thinking about creating uh, the type of blog that's going to get thousands and thousands of people reading, there has to be a sufficient amount of content. And so if you're doing one post a week, in two years, you're going to do about a hundred blog posts, which is when you start to see that traction pick up. Now, if you want to do two or three times a week, that's cool. You'll probably get to your goal a little bit faster when it comes to traffic, especially if you're instituting the principles of search engine optimization, keyword research, and all those things. So 2016 made about $2,300. And I think from that point, I was like hooked. I'm like, wait a minute. I have literally created money on the internet. 
by posting pictures of my recipes. So at that point, I feel like I had tapped into what I needed to do and I started to do more of it. I started to not just do one-off Puerto Rican recipes, but I'm like, I'm going to do an all the Puerto Rican recipes. I'm going to share all of that. And I'm going to make my content like very specific. It's going to be Latin, the Latin food niche, primarily Puerto Rican, but I also do like Mexican recipes, Cuban recipes, and Colombian recipes, all those things. So 2017 was my first five-figure year. I made $10,000 in a combination of ads and sponsored content. 2018, I made about $25,000, $26,000. 2019, I made about $46,000. And then 2020, I have to go back and look at what the breakdown was for the food blog because as you know, in 2020 is when Yo Quiero Dinero started to ramp up and that became its own business. So cumulatively with my now two side hustles in 2020 is when I hit the six figure mark for income. And I think it speaks to the idea that like the more you diversify your income as a business owner, the faster you will probably get to your income goals versus just having one way to make money because you just never know, right? Like if you have one job, it's the same thing as having one income stream in your business. If you don't show up for that income stream, then what happens? Or if that income stream becomes irrelevant, then you end up in a situation where it's like, shit, now how do I make money in my business? But by me not only continuing the food blog, but also diversifying and starting my personal finance brand, that is kind of what took things to the next level. So I'm going crazy because I don't want to chase money for the wrong reasons. Like I don't want to be ego driven, but I know this is a belief I need to work on. Look, I get that so much. And that's not really a question, but it's like more of a comment. And I think it's very common, especially for women of color, to be like having some kind of shame or some guilt about wanting to have money or wanting to make money or like being a business owner that makes a lot of money makes you like a shitty person. I don't even know like where that comes from other than just this idea that I think as women of color, we're just told like, don't get attention, like money's for men. But that is just what you said. It's a limiting belief. It's a block that a lot of us have. It's this idea that we need to give everything away for free, that we need to do things for charity, that somehow getting compensated fairly for the work that you do is a bad thing. That's societal conditioning that we need to let go of, right? Nobody's criticizing freaking Elon Musk for making a billion fucking dollars or whatever it is that he's doing. Why? Because he's a man. He's a white man. So we need to get out of this idea that like it's only for wealth and wealth creation is only for one group of people. And that's why my whole platform here exists. Absolutely. It is a poverty mindset. Let's see. I think too about followers not wanting to follow because of sponsored posts or don't trust the account as much. You know what? Women CEO mindset. Thank you for the badge. And all the fantastic finds, I do agree with you. I think that there is this idea that like if we're peddling something, everybody thinks of like salespeople as like those sleazy used car salesmen. And I like to focus on being a mission-based entrepreneur. So I don't feel guilty about asking for money for the services that I provide because I know that they have impact. I know that they provide the opportunity for people to transform their lives. Like if I teach you how to blog and you can quit your fucking job a couple years from now because of those skills that I taught you, there's value in that, right? If you create a six-figure blog because you paid $500 to be part of my blogging bootcamp, that's a deal. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, and you have to understand that like you're providing transformational services. You're providing something that's going to change people's lives. And that's what should take the guilt out of it. I feel like it's almost like you should feel guilty by holding this information for yourself and not putting it out there for people to consume and not giving people an opportunity to work with you. Like that's a damn shame. And when it comes to like partnerships and sponsorships and affiliate stuff, there is a fine line to walk with those things, right? You think about like some celebrities who peddle like freaking waist trainers and flat tummy tea and all of this stupid shit. They're just doing that for a paycheck, right? Like they don't really care. They don't care if these products work. I, as a business owner, my reputation is based on who I throw the weight of my brand behind. So I'm never going to promote a business that I don't believe in or that does shady shit because that looks bad at me. And that is how you build trust with your community. You have to know that like you as the expert, as the trusted person that they're referring to for information, like they're depending on you to be the eyes for them and to be the voice of reason. Like the other day, I was presented with an opportunity to get paid $15,000 to promote a title loan company. Are you kidding me? I would never. They could offer me $150 million. There's no way I'm going to promote this predatory ass industry to my people. What does that look like? So it's like, you got to know who you are. You got to know like what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And that's how you build the trust with your audience. You got to protect them like you would protect your family members. And so when you're thinking about affiliate partnerships and brand sponsorships, if you wouldn't recommend them to your mother or your sister or your husband or your wife or whoever it is that you really care about, don't fucking work with them. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Like no amount of money is going to make up for the fact that you're going to feel shitty promoting that. And who knows, like that could end up being the thing that breaks trust with your audience. So be selective, be protective of yourself. Offers every week, we say no to 99% of them. Facts. I say no to so many things because I'm just like, I don't need your money, bro. Like don't be throwing that shit at me. I don't need to compromise my morals and my values to be of service to my community. We ain't doing that. There's enough exploitation of people outside of our community for me to then contribute to that. Like, how am I going to sleep at night? That's wild. The best way to get an income from a blog. Well, the thing with blogs is that your ability to monetize it is really dependent on the business model that you're using to justify having the blog. For me as a food blogger, it makes sense to monetize using display ads because my food blog, I don't sell products. We have like affiliate links on my blog, but the majority of what I do is sponsored content and ads. That just makes sense for the food blogger model. If you're a travel blogger, maybe you're not going to do so many ads and maybe you'll do more sponsored content. Maybe you'll have affiliate partnerships with like hotels or travel credit cards or whatever. Maybe you'll have a digital course. A lot of bloggers monetize their digital course. They'll either teach whatever the expertise of the blog is. So maybe I could do like, well, I do do this. (laughs) I teach people how to blog for money. I know other food bloggers who also have like a blogging for business bootcamp type of situation. There are people who have a blog about affiliate marketing and guess what they teach you how to do? They teach you how to do affiliate marketing. So it all depends on how you're using that blog 
I think a lot of people who are coaches want to have blogs. And I tell them that for a coach, your blog serves as your place where you cement your expertise. That's where you start to provide the free content for people to then then begin to build trust in you, for them to begin to be like, oh, wow, like I really find this information valuable. Like I want to find out more about this person. If they're giving this stuff away for free, I can only imagine what it's like working with them. So it depends. But there's a lot of different ways to monetize blog. We're talking display ads, affiliate marketing, sponsored content, selling digital products, selling digital course. You can add a drop shipping feature to your blog. You can even do guest posts. You can have people that pay you to write on other blogs. You can monetize your expertise through speaking engagements or freelance writing for media. There's sky's the limit, y'all. <laughs> There's so many things. Carolina V Fitness, advice for picking your niche. Go and grab my blog niche guide. It's in the link in my bio. It's 22 pages long. Go and read that. It's going to answer every question that you have about creating or choosing your blog niche. Okay. What do you think about e-commerce as a side hustle? I think it's a great thing. E-commerce is super accessible for people nowadays, especially with websites like Etsy and Shopify. Location independence, e-commerce will satisfy that. When it comes to drop shipping, that's a great way to start a business on a budget because you're not buying any inventory. You're literally not spending any money until that person orders whatever product and you work with a third-party supplier to fulfill that order. That being said, you have to know how to market products. So marketing a product is not necessarily exactly the same as marketing a service. The thing that they do have in common is that when you're selling something, you really have to focus less on the features of the service or the product that you're talking about and more on the emotional reactions that you want to evoke in people. Buying something from a business is an emotional transaction. We spend money with our emotions. So when you see something online and you're compelled to buy it, there's some emotional trigger in you that was prompted to buy that. Like for me, what do I sell? I sell transformational type education. I sell education that's going to help you build wealth. I sell education that's going to help you create a business, that's going to help you diversify your income. That's transformational stuff. And so I know how to connect with you on that level so that you understand like the value of those things. If you're selling jewelry, Jewelry is a super emotional purchase, right? Like you buy jewelry for special occasions. People buy jewelry to propose or to declare their love for somebody. So instead of talking about the jewelry that you're selling and like it's made of 14 karat gold and, you know, it comes in X, Y, and Z patterns or whatever, or with this stone, what's the emotional reaction that you want somebody to have with your product? Do you want them to feel excited? Do you want them to feel joy? Do you want them to feel nostalgia? That's how you start to market your product. And that's like universal. Marketing is 99% like a psychological exercise of understanding how to communicate the value of your service to people in a way that's going to trigger an emotional reaction in them that's going to say, I need to give you my money because I need this in my life because of how you made me feel. It is literally psychology. It is not like a checklist of shit. Like if you do this, you will sell things. Where does my blog traffic come from? So 85 to 90% of my blog traffic comes from google.com. Believe it or not, when it comes to blogging, social media doesn't fucking matter because social media is a very poor traffic driver to blogs, except for Pinterest. And that's kind of changing right now at this point because Pinterest's algorithm has 
been changed a lot in the past 18 to 24 months. And it is not the same type of traffic driver that it used to be back when I started in 2013. Google SEO, search engine optimization, is how you get traffic to your blog. It is an entire science, and it is uh, one of the modules that I teach in my blogging bootcamp. It is essential if you want to monetize your blog. It doesn't matter what you're talking about on your blog. If you don't optimize it with SEO, you're wasting all your time. When did I start? So I started 2013. How did I secure ads? So ads are a funny business. You can actually start displaying ads on your blog from, I would say, maybe a couple weeks in. As long as you have maybe five to 10 blog posts, you can start displaying ads. The only provider who will probably accept you at that point is Google AdSense. And Google AdSense is, they pay trash. I mean, honestly, like they pay cents compared to my company that I work with for my food blog, which is AdThrive, that they're paying me like $12,000 a month. That being said, ads are something that come after you've done the work. That is creating really niche content. That is creating SEO optimized content, valuable searchable content that people are consistently looking for, which is called like evergreen content. That's when you start to see the traffic boost and you want to get to a place where you have like 10,000 readers per month that are consistently coming to your website before you seriously consider like using ads as a monetization strategy. So ads will come after you create great content. Tips for getting your blog to six figures. It's going to take time. It will probably realistically take you at least four to five years to get to a place where you are earning especially through just straight up ad income, which is how I'm doing it with my food blog right now. This has been an eight year game at this point, right? And this year is the first year that I hit six figures in blog ad income. So just know it's a long-term game when it comes to strictly monetizing with ads. Now you can monetize way earlier than that by incorporating the other strategies that we've talked about affiliate marketing, sponsored content, creating your own digital products, your digital course, all those things. But the truly passive way of monetizing a blog is through ad income, and that takes time. This is a great question. So is my calculated income gross or net? So the $252,000 is before taxes, is before expenses. So let's talk about the numbers behind the numbers, right? Because I always report my gross income because of a couple different reasons. The main one is that when you get paid a salary at work, they give you the salary on paper, but that's not actually what you take home. You're getting taxes taken out, you're getting retirement taken out, healthcare, insurance, whatever. That's the details in the numbers that you have to dig into. And so I use QuickBooks to monitor my income progress and be able to like differentiate all of my different income streams. So profit and loss statement is what I look at when I am seeing like what's been happening in my business. So 252 is the income before taxes. And that's from all the different income sources that I have, both with my food blog and with Yo Quiero Dinero. Now, I am my biggest expense in my business, which makes sense, right? Because I pay myself a salary. If you're not your biggest expense in your business, you're doing it wrong because your biggest expense should be the paycheck that you're paying yourself to run this business. Otherwise, where the hell is all your money going? So my payroll for this year 
has been about $50,000, including the wages and the taxes. The reason why I pay myself that little is because I am an S-corp. And so as an S-corp, I have an obligation to pay myself a salary, but I also take distributions from my company, which are separate from my paycheck. So that's just like a tax hack that comes as part of having an S-corporation. My second biggest expenses are contractors. So I have two contractors and I pay them very good. I pay them very (laughs) decent hourly salary. And one of them handles social media, blog content creation. And recently we've started doing like some outreach to like nonprofits to start asking for grant money. So she's writing grant proposals. She puts together all the social for the podcast and blog posts and all those things. And then I have an executive assistant who also handles my Facebook communities and helps me like manage my students and all those things. So that's my second biggest expense. And then my third biggest expense is taxes. And then, ooh, retirement. My retirement contributions are actually classified as an expense. So all of the money that I put from my business profits that goes into my solo 401k, that's seen as an expense, but that's actually money that's still in my pocket. So that's the thing. When it comes to having a business, that gross income number is not the full picture because then what you do with the money is you segment it into different expenses. And I feel like that's the thing that confuses people. So my profits, after taking into account myself as my biggest expense, after taking taxes, paying for things like software, and I've upgraded several pieces of equipment this year. I just bought like a $2,500 camera. I bought a new iPhone, all these things. My profits, which is everything that's left over that I can figure out what to do with is about $95,000. So that's fantastic. As far as I'm concerned, that is money that I can spend on just throwing it in a brokerage account. That's money I can put in a savings account. That's money that I can use to reinvest in my business. That's money that I can use to take an expensive ass trip somewhere. That's money that I can put towards a down payment for a house, all those things. So don't get confused. As a business owner, it is very important for you to find strategic ways to lower your income, but in a way that's like not detrimental. It's not like you buying stupid shit. It's like you maybe upping your paycheck for yourself and paying yourself more. It might be you contributing more money to your retirement accounts. It might be you hiring another person because that's going to help you scale your business to the next level. How big is your team? So I have two people. And then I actually have a person on Fiverr who does my podcast editing. So he's not actually an employee of mine. He's just like a freelancer. And I contract him when I need him to edit episodes. And he's based in the Philippines. So he's very affordable, but he does a great job. And on Fiverr, people set their rates. I'm going to pay him like I would my contractors. He just has a set rate for what that looks like. And then I have a CPA who I work with to manage my taxes. I don't have a bookkeeper. I actually do my own bookkeeping because I'm very involved with my money. So every week I'm going into QuickBooks and I'm classifying transactions based on where they're coming from, where they're going. And I love that shit because I love being super involved with what's happening in my business. I'm nosy as hell. And obviously bookkeeping at some point, I will probably outsource because who knows. But I like being involved with my money. So I want to know every freaking penny where it's going. And it also helps me just stay involved. Like when I see my income statements and I'm just like, oh, we now have two six-figure income streams. 
that's a vibe. Let's see what number three is going to be. <laughs> so it helps me plan for the future, knowing like where the money's at, where the money resides. It's important to know those things. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Do I pay my contractors $10.99? Yes. So both of my contractors are $10.99 and my social media manager works maybe 10 hours a week or so. And my assistant works about 15 to 20 hours. We've had a lot of work recently because I'm in the process of redesigning my website and there's been a lot of rebranding, as you've probably seen. It ebbs and flows based on what's going on in the business. I am launching my new website later this month, hopefully. I'm actually going to be taking some final photos this week, but it's gorgeous, and I'm super excited for you guys. And that's another investment. I spent close to $5,000 getting my website professionally designed. So that was a strategic investment that I made that I'm like, you know what? I'm ready to spend this kind of money because I want to take shit to the next level. And this is going to improve the user experience for people who visit my website. This is going to make us look super professional versus like DIYing, which I've done for a very long time. So there are just things that I have no issue spending money in my business because I know that it's going to take things to the next level. Like one thing that I spent several thousand dollars on this year was working with a copywriter. Why? Well, I have products that need email marketing funnels. I have products that need copy on sales pages. And I fucking hate doing that. There are more important and exciting things that I want to do with my time than writing sales copy. So for me, it was a win-win because by investing a couple thousand dollars in email marketing, I had three, about to be four, like five-figure launches. 
So it's like, it's no brainer. Yeah, I'm going to spend three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 on copywriting when I'm going to make $100,000 with that investment. Don't be scared to invest money. That's the whole point of making it. Like, don't be a hoarder in your business. You have things you need to do. I was so fucking cheap for the longest time. And then when I actually started investing in my business is when things started to grow. Get that equipment that you want. It does pay for itself. It does. When I got a new iPhone, I was very, very happy making more reels, doing more TikToks because I had the technology that I needed. When I got a new laptop, I was super excited to do more workshops and I felt confident with the equipment and stuff that I had. When I got a new microphone, I'm like, yes, I'm very excited about putting out podcasts because I know they're going to sound good. So don't be scared to spend money in your business because if you do it strategically, that's the shit that takes you to the next level. You don't need to be freaking cheap and DIYing all the shit. DIY is for certain things. Question, how to start what to do? Guide us from the beginning stage, please. Okay, well, we could be here all day when I tell you like how to start. First off, when it comes to starting a business, you are solving a problem as a business owner. That's the gist of a business. You identify a problem and then you create a solution to the problem. And that solution should offer some transformation. It should be meaningful. It should help somebody get from a place where they're struggling with whatever the problem is to a place where they are empowered and ready to make shit happen. So if you have a skill that people will value, that's the business model. I identified the fact that I could not find Latina podcasters talking about financial independence and entrepreneurship. Couldn't find it. I'm like, I know we exist because I can't be the only person doing this shit. So my solution to the problem was creating my podcast. And from the podcast, I'm putting myself in this space. I've created a business. I created opportunities to public speaking, to collaborate with brands, to do freelance writing, to teach the things that I'm like, I can't be the only one doing this, right? So yes, I'm teaching blogging. I'm teaching side hustling. I'm teaching all the shit that I know is needed and is needed by my audience because clearly there was nobody serving the community. So that's what you need to do. That's how you start. You need to start identifying the list of skills that you have that could then be turned into a business. Those could be professional skills. Those can be personal skills that you have. Like me, I love cooking. So I'm like, how can I turn this into a business? And that could even be skills that you don't currently have, but you want to have. And so you start educating yourself. I've learned 90% of the things that I do in my business on the fly, watching YouTube, watching other people, getting mentors, Googling the shit out of stuff, listening to podcasts, just absorbing all the information. That's how you start. How are you managing your books? Because I'm officially dreading tax season. (laughs) I said I manage my books through QuickBooks and I highly recommend. You can grab a link in my money tools section on my website and you'll get 50% off for three months. And you'll also get a $50 Visa gift card. So if you want to sign up for QuickBooks, go and grab my affiliate link on my blog in the money tool section. Tutru, have I ever worked with a business coach? If so, who? If not, how do you learn sales? So a lot of sales I've actually done by watching other people. (laughs) I'm a student. I'm a forever student. So I'm always finding people that I find fascinating online. And then I'm like, okay, how can I learn what they're doing? So it's a lot of practice. But I actually did sign up for a group coaching program with Delian's sister. Her name is Natalia. 
her social media is I Speak Social. I already had my established my digital courses, but I wanted to like take them to the next level to get really good at webinars. Eventually, I'm going to start relying more on Facebook ads and also like automating my sales funnel and things like that. So I wanted to learn that, but I don't have a business coach per se. I don't have a mentor. I have colleagues. I have network of women who I go to when I'm like going through the imposter syndrome and the stress of trying to figure out like what's next in my business. And so I think it's really important for you to find a community of people that are in the same journey with you. And my students find that community within my group coaching programs because we all interact with each other. They get to meet each other. They have a Facebook group that they hang out in. They can network. They can literally be each other's guinea pigs. They can be each other's marketing research subjects. So that's the power of being part of a group coaching program. But I don't have a business coach, believe it or not. I signed up for Natalia's course, but it's self-driven. She does have some group coaching, but for only a certain amount of time. Yes. Find a circle of women who are doing what you want to do. That's it. How do I get good at blogging as far as the writing part? So one advantage that I do have is that I love writing. Like I've been a writer from the fucking days of MySpace. (laughs) If you remember MySpace, just leave a fire emoji in the chat because MySpace was the shit. I was like an amateur coder. I think we all were. We were all learning like HTML, putting our own freaking MySpace pages together. And Mi Gente, anybody remember Mi Gente and Black Planet? Who remembers Zanga? If you remember Zanga, let me know because that's how you know you're like a geriatric millennial. But yeah, so I've always loved writing and it's always come very natural to me. I loved English class. That was my favorite. I'm a natural storyteller. My Mijenta page always had some fucking reggaeton, like Zion and Lennox, some Don Omar music bumping in the background. <laughs> we were all like amateur HTML coders making our freaking Mijenta pages. That shit is insane. So writing is a skill just like anything else. Like you have to practice And you have to study it. It's an art. It's a science. It's just like anything else. Like you want to get good at something, you have to practice it. And especially when it comes to writing a blog, there is a science to it. And that is also one of the modules in my blogging bootcamp. So in one of the modules, we actually have like a ton of templates for the different ways that you structure a blog post, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. So if you're doing like a how-to guide, I provide a template for that. If you're doing like a review or a list, because there is a way to structure blog posts that is not your normal, like, let me just write fucking pages of nonsense. (laughs) You have to section them out. You have to use headings. You have to use keywords. You have to structure them in a very specific way so that they're search engine optimized. So that is something that I teach in my course. Okay. So I love this question. What are some unexpected challenges that you've encountered along the way? I think one of the biggest challenges I've had is like, as you grow as a business owner, you start to almost doubt your ability to make this like a regular thing. I know when I hit my six figure mark last year, I was just like, we're never going to do this again. (laughs) There's no way. This is a fluke. You got lucky. Congratulations. You played yourself. There's no way in hell that this is actually going to be something that you can do again. And those are when those limiting beliefs and the imposter syndrome starts to come up and you have to address it because if you let that stuff stop you, that's what it'll do. It'll stop you. It'll make you think, 
that you're not worthy of what you've accomplished. And that's bullshit because you did it. Like that's all the sign that you need. If you did it once, you can do it again. So the imposter syndrome and all those feelings that come up as you succeed are real. They are constant. They say every new level is a new devil. It's so true. You will always question your success. And even after you've accomplished so much shit, the next thing that comes around that's just like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Why are they asking me to do this? Why am I being chosen for this? What did I do to deserve this? It never goes away. You just start to learn how to be like, shut the fuck up. I'm worthy. We're doing this. We're doing it scared. And we are going to figure it out. (laughs) That's it. You're going to figure it out. And if you're not feeling scared in your business, then you're probably not pushing yourself out of your comfort zone enough to actually grow. If you start feeling too comfortable, that means that you need to switch things up. You need to do something that is going to make you be like, oh shit, okay, I'm not as secure and as safe and sound as I thought I was because that's where the growth happens. Yes, we all get imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Every time you reach a new level, you're going to feel like, why am I here? And I think that's also because there's such a lack of representation for what it is to be six-figure business owner or just like a Latina business owner, no matter how much money you're making. We don't see ourselves represented in these spaces. And that's why we feel like, what the fuck are we doing? Why are we here? Why would anybody pay us? Why would anybody care what I have to say? We care. I care. Your community cares. The people who support you care. That's all that you need to know. Stop questioning shit so much. You are worthy of being here. You deserve to be here. Absolutely, Alicia. How do you handle, I'm thinking that says haters that are actually discriminatory. Tell me more. Who are these haters that are discriminatory? Because I say fuck the haters. That's just my vibe. But you're always going to have haters. I think haters are a sign that like you're doing something right. Nobody cares when you're not doing anything. The ones who have opinions are the ones that are usually not doing shit. They say like the people who try to squash your dreams, it's because you're making them confront the fact that they haven't pursued their own. So don't worry about them. They ain't got nothing to do with you. I have found that some of the people who were closest to you are the ones who will doubt you the most because they have this idea of who you should be and how you should show up in the world. And then when you start acting different and you start doing different, they get all fucking in their feelings. They're just like, but why? Why do you have to change? Why do you want this? Why do you want that? And it's just like, why the fuck not? Because I'm tired of hanging out with people like you who don't want shit for their lives. That's why. (laughs) You changing makes people question themselves. And sometimes they don't want to be confronted with their own shit. They don't want to be faced with their mediocrity because you're stepping outside of that little bubble that they've created for you. That's what hate is. Like It's really jealousy. It's like internalized jealousy that then they throw out at you because you're making them confront their own insecurities and their own limiting beliefs and their own inadequacies. They're reminded that they gave up on their dream. So fuck them. (laughs) They will eventually come around once the glow up happens. And then you just be like, well, there's that. (laughs) So it is what it is. You don't have anything to prove to anybody. Point blank period, especially the haters. They can watch from the sidelines. We don't have time for that negative energy 
And sometimes, unfortunately, like that negative energy can come from our families. And our families, I think more than anybody, are guilty of having this preconceived notion of who you're supposed to be with them. They are very committed to this narrative or this plan that they have set up in their minds about what you need to do and who you need to be. And when you start pushing back against that shit, it can be hard. Trust and believe, okay? I will not sit here and say that I didn't have a lot of anxiety about telling my parents that I was going to quit my six-figure job with a pension and go and be an entrepreneur. I come from a very traditional Latino household that was just like, go to school, get a degree, get a job, get married, buy the house, all of the shit. And I did all of those things. And I was just like, I fucking hate this. This cannot be my life. I cannot wait until later to start living the life that I want because of this idea of who I'm supposed to be with my family. And at some point, you get sick of your own shit. You get sick of allowing those things to dictate what your life looks like. I know I got sick of it. I'm just like, there's no way I'm going to say no to myself by saying yes to this shit that y'all signed me up for, which I didn't even ask for, right? I didn't ask for this expectation of who I should be. I'm sorry to disappoint, but. I literally can't get out of bed and go to this job anymore. And that for me isn't serving anybody. That shouldn't make you happy as a parent. That shouldn't make anybody excited. And it definitely was not something that I was willing to accept as my reality. And I think there's this thing, the sunken cost fallacy, which is like, well, I've put in so much time into this career, or I've paid this much money for this degree, or I've had this life for so long. I just got to keep doing it. But you don't. If you're sick of your fucking job, then that's okay. You're a human. You evolve. Like the things you love to do, the things you don't love to do, that changes. You can't expect to be the same person for the rest of your life. When I hear stories about people who literally like worked at one place their entire life and carved out a career and never experimented and pushed that themselves outside of their comfort zone, that shit sounds so sad to me. Because I'm like, you don't even give yourself permission to see what else is out there. That's fucking sad. To live your whole life just being one person and not letting yourself, giving yourself permission to try something new and to change your mind. Oh, that's terrible. That is fucking sad. My hubby is at a job he hates because of the people and the management but loves what he does. At what point does he quit and start over or does he suck it up and deal with the people? People quit jobs because of management and because of the humans that are there. They don't quit the job because of the job itself most of the time. So it sounds like your husband is in a super toxic ass work environment and no amount of money is worth dealing with that. I'm sure if he's found one place that he can work and do what he loves to do, he can find somewhere else that is not toxic. But he needs to go. If it's affecting your marriage, if it's affecting his mental health, if it's affecting how he feels about going into that place, it's not worth it, y'all. It's not. And I think we have to like get rid of this narrative that like you just suck it up, like be tough, like get over it. No. If you're going to spend the majority of your life working, the last thing that you should be doing is subjecting yourself to an environment that is fucking toxic. 
that is going to make you miserable, that is going to have you feeling anxiety about getting up in the morning, that is going to have you feeling like shit when you get home. No, life is too short. He needs to go now. He needs to figure out who are the competitors in the space where he can still continue to do the work that he loves without subjecting himself to the bullshit of management. Because management and the people that you work with are what makes a job great or what makes a job fucking terrible. 99 times out of 100, it is not the work itself. It is the people. And there's no guarantee that they're ever going to leave. So that's when you remove yourself out of the situation. (laughs) I always left jobs because somebody fucking irked me. Whether it was a manager or that manager's manager, it was never about the work. It was just like, I don't fucking like this environment. I don't feel comfortable here. I don't like how I'm being treated. I don't like how I'm being talked to. I don't like how that I'm not being challenged. I don't like that you're not advocating for me. None of this shit. It was never about the job. It was always the people. And Leah can testify. Yes, we had this conversation. You leave a job because of the people. 100%. (laughs) I hope I shared some gems with y'all today. I want to encourage you, if you've been thinking about starting your side hustle, if you're thinking about starting a business, if you have thought to yourself at any point in your life, I can't do this shit for the rest of my life. Like that was my literal realization. I'm like, I can't do this shit for the rest of my life. I encourage you to just start. Just start your side hustle, please. Because you just never know like what you can create if you don't give yourself permission to try. I will tell you and I will tell you again. Eight years ago when I started my food blog, I did not fucking think that I was going to create a $100,000 plus income stream from creating a freaking food blog. That wasn't even in the realm of possibility for me. I was just like, you know what? If I can make like an extra two, $3,000 a month, that's it. I'm good. I'll have this side hustle forever. Hopefully I can invest a little bit more money at some point. Maybe I'll pay off debt. But it shit turned into a legit business, right? When I started Yo Quiero Dinero, I was literally listening to Dinero in the shower and I heard the chorus and I was like, oh my God. This is the name of the podcast that I have been thinking about starting for a while. And that is how it began. And I downloaded an app on my phone and I started recording podcast episodes sitting in the floor of my closet with my phone up here. And that's how it began. Just start. Just start doing something. If you feel called to do something, just do it. Don't worry about the logo. Don't worry about the website. Don't worry about the color scheme and the branding and the fucking logistics. Just start. Maybe just create your Instagram. Maybe you just sign up for Shopify. Maybe you freaking download an app on your phone and start filming videos that you put on TikTok. Just start because that's the only thing that's stopping you is this idea that like you got to have all the shit figured out. You can go back and listen to the first episodes of my podcast. The sound quality is terrible, but it's also like a fucking badge of honor for me because I'm like, bitch, if we hadn't started there, we wouldn't be here. My first food blog images were fucking terrible. I probably had like an iPhone 5 at that point and the lighting was awful. I had no freaking food styling experience. I know what the fuck I was doing. 
but I wouldn't have been able to create a six-figure blog if I hadn't started with the shitty blog post with the iPhone 5, not knowing what the fuck I'm doing. You don't have to have this figured out. Like anybody who you admire, who has a business, we all started from the zero. We all started from the bootstrapping shit. We all started from the DIY. But the point is that we started (laughs) and that's what you need to do. So stop fucking overthinking things. Stop worrying about what people are going to think. Stop worrying about having the right this and the right that and the perfect offer. Just start. When I first started monetizing Yo Quiero Dinero, well, I did my first workshop for free and it was fucking terrible. (laughs) It was so bad. I started 15, 20 minutes late because my computer froze and I was actually using my work laptop because I didn't even have my own laptop. And then when the computer froze, I tried to sign on on my phone and then my phone died and it was fucking terrible. But people stuck through it with me and they were just like, yo, that shit was funny and it was fun. And then the next time I was like, you know what? I should probably buy a laptop because this is kind of ghetto. And I should probably invest a little bit in my technology because this is important. If I'm going to have a digital-based business, I got to have my own laptop. I can't be using the work laptop. So we did that. And then I did my first paid workshop. I think I charged like, I don't know, $20 to attend or something. And it grew from there. I started charging 39 bucks for an hour of my time to do some coaching. You go from there, but you got to (laughs) start. I don't know how many times I can say that. You have to start. You start somewhere. If you don't feel comfortable charging right away, you don't have to charge right away. Do some freebie stuff so that you can experiment with what feels good to you. Give people an opportunity to meet you, talk to people, network with them, get in a circle of people who are trying to do the same thing too. And I encourage you, listen to my podcast because there's a lot of these stories that will tell you we all started from the bottom. We didn't have money we inherited. We didn't have entrepreneurs in our family. We didn't have business mentors. We didn't have anything. We had fucking Google, uh, maybe a cell phone and some dreams. <laughs> and some ideas that were just like, you know what? I'm excited about this. I'm going to see what I can do. That's how it starts. It's not magic. It's not fucking rocket science. It's just literally saying, I want to try to do this. Let's see what happens. What's the worst that could happen? Honestly, I will tell you what's the worst that could happen because it's happened to me. You start a business and it fucking fails. And then what? And you move on with your life, right? You don't die because a business fails. You don't die because you break up with somebody. You don't fucking die when you get fired from work. Shit's going to happen. You're going to have the L's along with the wins. But that's how you learn. If I had never started a drop shipping store that fucking flopped, then I wouldn't have realized, bitch, you don't know how to sell anything. You need to learn how to sell things before you just start opening up an e-commerce store and telling people to buy shit because it's not that simple. That's just the reality of things. Trial and error is the way for business. It's the way for life, if you think about it. We date the wrong people so you can marry the right one. You pick the wrong career so you can find the right one. It's just... We figure it out. You figure it out. And I promise you that you're like way more resourceful than you think you are. You're way more resilient than you think you are. You're way more inspiring to the people around you than you think you are. And I hope that you take this message and you stop doubting the abilities that you were born with. I hope that you take this message and that you just get out of your own way and start doing shit for yourself. 
Stop worrying about what other people are saying. Stop worrying about what other people think because it's your life. It's your life to live. If I had been worried about what other people were going to think, I would have never started my food blog. I would have never started my podcast. I would have never started to make decisions for myself that have allowed me to now be in this space where I have been able to create something that is mine, that has given me the freedom, the income that I want, and just the joy. Like I wake up every day fucking excited and we should all have that feeling and you can create that feeling for yourself. And I'm not saying that you have to start a business to do that. Maybe there's a career that you want to have, but you've been saying to yourself, well, this means I got to start over. So fucking what? What's the worst that could happen? I think the worst that could happen is if you keep doing the shit that you don't want to do anymore. That's worse. The worst thing that you can do is go live your life and then look back when you're 75 or 80 or 90 years old and be like, shit, I never did that thing I said I was going to do. And now it's too late. That's sad. Not failing in business, not trying something and then not working out the first time, not changing your mind. That's not the sad shit. The sad shit is continuing to do the same thing you don't want to fucking do anymore. It's right. If you fail, you move on. We've all had failures. You know that I was engaged before I got married to my then husband? And thank God that that shit failed because he was a lunatic. But I needed to know that. (laughs) I needed to know that I could potentially marry a lunatic so that the next time around, I don't marry the crazy guy. Right? So there's going to be else. There's going to be else. (laughs) But we live and we survive and we move on. And the next time we do better, we know better. All the things. All right, y'all. So that is the second portion of this evening's discussion. I'm going to repost this on my stories too. So if you see two of the same like cover sheets, don't worry because the first half got cut off. But thank you so much for your questions and thank you for rocking with me and spending your time here because you could be anywhere in the world and you're here. And honestly, like my success is your success. And the reason why I say that is because I had a discussion today actually with a group of Latinas for a media company. And the host of the discussion was like, this is the first time I've been surrounded by brown women, women of color, who are talking about these things that no one has ever talked about, like entrepreneurship and investing and generational wealth and financial independence. And I'm like, yeah, the more of us that know about this shit, that's our community collectively advancing. So me becoming financially independent is also giving you permission to pursue the same thing. Me creating a quarter million dollar revenue business gives you permission to do the same thing. So that's why I say my success is your success because by normalizing the idea that this is possible for you, we start to change the narrative. We start to literally believe that the days of the paycheck to paycheck struggle and the cycle of poverty, like that's not the only option for us anymore. I promise you it's not because the tools exist. The people that wanna help you are out here. And I'm honored to be part of that group that is literally like, no, we're not going to do this shit no more. We're not going to struggle anymore. We are going to push past the generations of trauma and we're going to fucking do better and we're going to do it together. So I hope that you continue to support that mission. I hope that you continue to share the podcast. 
I love getting messages from you all about like the impact that the podcast has on you and that this platform has on you. That's what makes it all worth it. That's what makes it all worth it. Making our ancestors proud. Facts on facts. That's why we're here. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer